Welcome to the Las Vegas Realtor Podcast, where we update you all things LVR. I'm your 2022 president, along with our CEO, Wendy DeVecchio, and we're going to have special guests, Aldo Martinez and Dan Harris in studio today, where we're going to be discussing the changes in the listing agreement and also an update on the rollout of Remine. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us. Very good. So when we get uh, this... (laughs) See? First podcast, <laughs> jitters. Um, I wanted to get a podcast started because I thought it would be a great way to roll things out and get the membership to understand the why behind some of the decisions the board makes and some of the things that happens down here at LVR. Um, Wendy, do you want to start off with any sort of an update from the CEO on membership or anything? Yes. Yeah, so currently right now, um, our membership count is a little under 17,000, uh, which is not abnormal for this time of the year because we just did our annual dues, which we're due at the end of January. We're still in the middle of some of those collections now. Um, we also are still getting about 200 new members in a month, uh, which is higher than what we budgeted, which is really good. So that means that we're doing good starting in the new year. We're being stable. Um, also, I would like to talk a little bit about um, what's going on with the masks, because I know that's a big deal and people have questions about that. Um, so as you know, the month of January, because of the increase of numbers, we had to back off a little bit and do a lot of stuff through back to Zoom. Um, I'm glad to say that from this February going on, we are back in full screen with the association being open. Um, We did lift the mask mandate according to Governor Sisolak, so that was great. Um, So when you do come into the building, uh, you do not have to wear your mask, but if you're still comfortable, please do. You will notice when you come in that staff still has the plastic barriers and things like that are still up and some staff may be walking around with um, the masks on. Also, we were doing um, our classes, CE classes back through Zoom in January. Um, I'm glad to say that we are back live with those. So we do offer hybrid options for classes, or excuse me, not hybrid options, that's committees. We offer either Zoom CE classes or um, in-person CE classes. We're doing orientation, again, um, live for those new members that are coming in to join. Plus, we do offer an orientation through Zoom for those of that are not comfortable with coming in. So you have either one of those choices. We're also doing tons of CE courses a month, um, live and through Zoom. Um, the other exciting thing is about the open committees. So we have several open committees that we do have down here at the association. We want everybody to come down and get involved. If you have any questions about any committee that you would like to join, um, you can call down to the association and ask specifically for that committee, and they'll be connected to the staff liaison, or you can go online um, at the association's website, and you can click on committees once you sign in on the back end. And you can, uh, once you do that, you can go to open committees, click on every committee, see what their scope is, see what they do, see when they meet. Um, so that's a great thing to for you to get used to committees. Right now, we just went through a leadership training, which was a great opportunity. So all of the chairs and vice chairs are like ready to go with the committees. They have a lot of good stuff planned this year. So if you're interested in any committees like YPN, risk management, community outreach, trends, property management, any of those, again, they do meet on a monthly basis. And you can go online and get all the information for those. Yeah, this past week, we had Bob Harrison. Um, and it was great. I mean, we had him spend some time on with the board on some leadership and then spend a half a day with the, the committees and, and how to run the meetings. But I'm super excited about the committees this year because the turnout has been amazing. I mean, yes, it has. Even through people showing up down here, even though we were on Zoom last month. I mean, you just did the trans committee, what, a week and a half ago? And there was, what, 80 or 90 people online? There was online. over 80 people online and another 30 or so in the room. So, And I heard political affairs was up over 120 People, yes. So. And then property management was the same way. That's beautiful. So it's really uh, our 
committees, I'm very pleased to say that are, are coming with um, a lot of new people, a lot of new ideas. What the training that we just had with Bob Harris was just really great. The chairs have been having meetings with their staff liaisons. They've been having meetings with their director liaisons, and they've been setting their tone for the year. So I think that's awesome. Well, and I just want to commend you guys um, because the hybrid, I mean, it's a new thing and we've kind of had to struggle with it for the past few years, but I think you guys have it dialed in. I mean, there was questions being asked from the, the people at home and they're be able, being able to interact with both the people in the audience and out on Zoom. So it's really, really good. Yes, we it's been a it's been a it's it's been a struggle in the beginning because of course everybody struggled with Zoom in the beginning. I think a lot of people are zoomed out, but <laughs> it does give that opportunity for people that are not comfortable coming into the association and we do have it where it's working out really well now with the committees. So we can again hold 100 people on Zoom and 50 or 60 people inside the room. No, we have one of the best staffs in in the valley and one of or in the country really, I believe, and one of the best CEOs. So we're really blessed to have you. Um, let's jump into um, this listing agreement. Let's talk about this. First of all, I thought it was important that we bring Aldo on the very first one because um, the two major concerns or the two major things I hear from most of the uh, membership as I started out as president um, both had to do with items that were um, implemented during your year, basically. And the first one being the uh, ER and EA listing agreement with uh, a major change that uh, I want to discuss that happened on page two, which was the change in the compensation of brokers. This was a recommendation from the board to forms. And um, can you explain why why we recommended and how why it was ultimately implemented? Right. So on, on the change to the ER listing and actually just going to the listing brokerage commission, we just reverted back to uh, the way the listings had been from 2007 and beyond. So for Heck, the last 40 years or so, we had been doing them the same way. And then in 2007, we made a change to the actual form um, and actually incorporated the cooperation uh, commission in there. Now, it had all well intentions at the time that they did that. It was basically because the REOs were into the business and uh, brokers were being concerned that the REO agents were just offering whatever they wanted to and that the uh, seller wasn't aware of it. And I think these are some of the decisions that sometimes start to get us in trouble, where we're speaking with the attorneys and looking at all the litigation that we've been going through and everything else. We're having to backtrack on these things because we started basically dictating how a broker does business, that now the broker has to include in their listing commission how much they're going to pay out. Where realistically, where this happened to be, you know, had been this way forever was you take a listing, you charge a commission. This is what you as the broker believe that it's going to take for you to market effectively the property, offer whatever cooperation you think it's going to take to drive traffic sufficient into the property to get that property sold. Because if you don't sell it at the end of the day, you're not getting paid. So you're not gonna hold the whole thing in hopes that it's going to get sold. And therefore, uh, it remains the broker's decision on what they do. We find ourselves sometimes trying to regulate you know, to the lowest uh, denominator, you're saying there's some bad operators out there that do this and that, you know, but we can't continue to change policies that harm the association in our industry, you know, just for the single bad operators. This has come into play with that uh, litigation that's been coming in. Uh, you have the big tobacco uh, attorneys that sued RJR and... Uh, so this is the litigation with NAR, right? Yeah, it's with NAR and it also includes uh, major brokerages. So Berkshire Hathaway is involved in there. So is uh, ERA or Rheology. You know, the big major franchises are being hit with this. And it's just saying that the there is what's called a coupling of the commission, where the seller 
is actually responsible for paying the buyer brokerage. And the attorneys are basically arguing, says we would never pay a competitor to argue or negotiate against us. Well, our argument is we're not paying a competitor to argue or negotiate against us. What we're doing is we're marketing a property and we're doing an inducement or an enticement to get people to show the property. And this does away with their main argument to that actual battle, which is the coupling. It's not a coupling of commission. I'm charging a commission and I'm going to pay what I think is necessary it's not the seller that's paying it. It is me, the broker, that's paying that Correct. commission. Correct, and I think it. I think it's important because a lot of the in the lawsuits and stuff and what's coming down is that they're saying that the seller pays the buyer's commission, and they don't. They pay a, a listing broker a commission, and the listing broker spends that commission on marketing and advertising to get that. Right. And I think Co-ops. this makes that clear. Um, so that you're not having that discussion when you're sitting in there and going, hey, I charge X, what do you want to pay the buyer's agent or buyer's broker? And that has been some of the biggest standpoints also that they have in there is that they say they have training on a national level, local level, and everything where brokers are training their agents to basically go into a listing presentation and say, well, I have to charge you this because I have to pay the other side that. You don't have to pay anything to anybody. You're looking at stuff also from Rheology where they're coming down to try to see if we can't change listing policies to where uh, an offer of compensation doesn't have to be a dollar. You know, it could be zero. So, you know, these are all things that the attorneys and legal counsels are advising in order to provide an adequate defense and and basically peel back the curtain and say, no, this is, you know, I'm sorry that it was improperly trained, but at the end of the day, it's really the broker's commission because you're not going to sue the seller for the co-op. You're going to sue the broker that offered it, right? So at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, if you don't get paid your co-op, you're not going to the seller and taking them to court. You're taking us, the brokers. And that's why you're coming here to the association and basically uh, arbitrating that here. Makes sense. And so um, I know that this is uh, the biggest contention with this is that they, they think that agents are going to start day trading the commission. I've got a lot of activity on the thing, so now I'm going to lower the commission. And you're going about to write an offer, so I'm going to lower the commission. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I say shame on you. Right. If that's the way that you do business, shame on you. Right. And I'm not going to worry, like I said, about the one and two bad operators that are out there. I'm going to worry about the rest of our association that does business right, um, that is looking out for the best interest of their clients, the consumer, when they're taking listings and negotiating. And they're going to do whatever they can in their power to get that property sold for the highest and best possible price. And they're not going to alienate their fellow uh, realtors that are out there. Um, The ones that are doing that, I can't fix that just as much as I can't fix someone robbing a bank or somebody going in and, and doing unethical things on any side of the equation. So well, I think you'll see MLS rules and regulations that come along to if that stuff starts to happen. The other big thing was, well, now the seller doesn't know what you're paying to the other side or what you're paying out. And that can be debunked a little bit because of the NAR updated rules from uh, the last national board meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Where they, they, uh, they offer co- compensation now must be disclosed. It's public on the website. They can yeah. see it on the website. I mean, every good listing agent and broker basically will have their agents basically have the seller sign a copy of the listing uh, that's being posted in MLS. Is this correct? Is this accurate? Are you okay? And it has everything else spelled in there. See, we have to worry more about protecting our industry than we have to safeguard against bad operators, right? We have uh, a code of ethics Right, and we have legal processes through the uh, real estate division to govern the bad actors. We don't need to get involved in that business. I agree. 
And so anything else you want to talk about on the NAR updates? You know, some um, of the other things is, you know, like we saw that's coming down the pipeline, and these are these are why we're trying to stay ahead, stay ahead of the game rather than playing catch-up to it. You know, like the offer of compensation, which you said is now getting ready to roll out in March, is going to have to be public on the website. So our website is going to publicly announce what the offer of compensation is to the buyer's broker. Uh, you cannot advertise your services for free. That's something else that's coming out there that it's going to be in effect in March. So Unless um, they're truly free. Unless you're truly absolutely right? free, right? So but if you're, if you're not charging anything whatsoever, you know, brokerage commission, uh, uh, you're not charging a tech, you know, uh, You're not being paid for fee. any part in the yeah. transaction. Yeah. But if you are, then it's not free. Absolutely. Absolutely. And no filtering of listings based on the commission amounts. So that's been taken out of our MLS for, I think, over a year now. But that's been longer than that, coming yeah. out uh, out there. And uh, listing broker or agents, you can't filter either. So, you know, you know the ones that might be doing it, you're, you suspect, and you can't filter from them, and you can't filter the co-op and everything. You should, you know what, when you're out there, do a good buyer uh, consultation, right? Get your buyer brokerage agreements done with your buyers so that you can protect your earning. And don't worry about what the co-op is. That's just going to reduce the cost to the buyer, right? Be a professional. Show them everything that's out there. Serve the client and the community well, and it will reward you in the end. Very good. Any questions from you, Wendy? Anything you want to add? No, I think Aldo did a great job. Yes, thank you for your time on this. Um, and before we take a break and we bring Dan Harris in, um, Remind. Remind was another big one that came in. And I know you've you've really jumped in and used it. And I know you're pushing, not pushing, but you're encouraging your agents in your brokerage and out there to really jump in and, and dive. What are your thoughts on Remind? Yeah. So, you know, uh, am I going to say it's going to be an easy transition for people? No, because you have to just think differently, right? So, but I think that the reason that the board basically voted on this and, and was looking at Remind, not only because of the solutions that it offers, but it just takes our transacting to the next level, right? It moves us out of the paper back and forth. And we're not going to get out of it for a while. I mean, you can still transact like you do on transaction desks, send a document over, PDF, sign, send it back, PDF, sign, the whole nine yards. But eventually what you can actually do that's really amazing with this, like even last night I sent out an SRPD for my client to complete. When I got it back, I looked at it, I go, hey, you forgot a couple of areas, I need you to address those. He was able to reopen it, make the changes, re-sign it. And I go, well, you forgot about the municipal water and the and the sewer. I go, I need you to check whether it's municipal you know, or, uh, or septic or whatever. He went back in and changed it. So they were able to do all those things without me having to resend it again over and over and over again like a paper uh, document. They're able to make the changes. Then they signed it, I get it back, and I download it. This eventually is going to happen the same way when we're negotiating addendums, right? So uh, in the past, we've had five or six addendums that basically all they do is extend the close of escrow. Right now, we can send the document back and forth between the agents, talk to your clients and go over those things and finally come up with one finalized document between the going back and forth that the whole transaction history is documented in there, every single change that's done, and then finalize it with signatures at the end. So it is taking our transacting to another level. It will make it so much cleaner. It will reduce a lot of the arguments. It, it provides clarity for our agents. Um, but it's like anything, you know, when we have to change. I remember when Microsoft used to change their Word application every year. I used to get frustrated, like, where in the hell did they put this, you know? Right. And you're searching. You know what? It's just learning how Remind talks, you know, the language of Remind versus the language of Transaction Desk. But I guarantee you, everything Transaction Desk does, Remind does, and more. And when you start to see how it works, you're going to see how much faster you can transact in there. So it's a live document until it's all it's signed It's a live document until 
both parties signed. And the important thing that I got out of that, too, was the fact that you can you don't have to use it that way. And I know change is hard. And one of the things that the board and, and Wendy did was uh, negotiate with Transaction Desk for a little bit longer to make that transition smoother. Um, so never do does the board want to create a problem where it's going to inf- affect well, that's your what we, business. You know, we looked at that uh, towards the end of the third qu- uh, fourth quarter last year, and we said, you know what, this is going to be a slower transition than we anticipated. Let's not stress out you know, our, uh, our membership and let's go ahead and extend that contract. So fortunately the board, you know, agreed with us when we brought that up, Brandon and, um, and Wendy was uh, right behind it and we got that extended out there, you know, but we're not going to continue to extend this contract indefinitely, you know, hopefully it's, there's, they're, they're there, you know. And right. all of the decision that the board made, I mean, you guys were in test mode for what, over a year and a half, yeah. almost 18 months, right? Just to, going back and forth. But it's like anything that you test, unfortunately, you know, um, until you're testing the live product, because you're always testing it in other environments. So you're testing it in the Texas real estate environment or the Florida te- real estate environment. So you're not really using your forms and it's not a real transaction. I mean, I've I've had a, a, an enormous educational experience with it going through. I'll email Amir over there at, uh, at Remind. I'll say, hey, you know this? And he's going, all right, Aldo, this is where you go. And I go, oh. You know, so it's 99.9% of the issues have been operator myself. But the other thing is what I was going to say is that, that the board looked into this very extensively mm-hmm. before they made any decision. Oh, yeah. they, they reviewed, they looked into it, they troubleshoot, they did it for almost 18 months yeah. with that pad that you created. Exactly. But you're right. It's it's tough to manufacture each scenario, and, and everyone uses it a little bit different. Like I don't use the transaction storage side of it, whereas some people do. So when I'm testing it out and using it, I'm not Yeah, you're, we're not even concerned that with that, yeah. But. Aldo, I really want to thank you for coming on the first podcast no, for Brandon, LBR I appreciate you. and your leadership uh, and direction through 2021. And we look forward to everything. Man, and I'm uh, so excited for your year. I mean, uh, you can already see it advancing by leaps and bounds. You're, you're doing an amazing job. This association's in great hands. With well, I you appreciate and Wendy. that. So we're going to take a quick break right now. We're going to be back with Dan Harris. All right. decade after hitting bottom, the local housing market starts the new year with record home prices. Hi, I'm Brandon Roberts, your 2022 LVR president, and this is the Housing Statistics Report for January 2022. The new year did little to change the trajectory of the local housing market, as home prices reached another record high amid a historically tight supply. LVR reported that the median price of an existing single-family home sold in Southern Nevada through the multiple listing service during January was $435,000. The median home price is up 26.1% from $345,000 one year ago today. The median price of local condos, townhomes sold in January was $243,000. That also breaks an all-time record set the previous month and is up 25.9% from 193,000 in January of 2021. It has now been a decade since the local housing market hit its post-recession bottom when the single-family home price in Southern Nevada hit its low point of 118,000 in January of 2012. It's amazing to think that the local housing prices have more than tripled since then and are now $317,000 higher than they were 10 years ago. I expect the local prices to continue to rise in 2022, but I agree with national experts who have been forecasting that they are likely to increase more gradually than they did in 2021. 
For sellers, I'd say it's a great time to sell. Prices are up and inventory is low, which means demand is there for you. For buyers, I would say be patient. The right deal will come on the market. Work with a professional and be ready to act. I'm Brandon Roberts. I want to thank you for taking the time to watch the stats video for January of 2022. And I want to let you know that we have a new podcast starting to help keep you better informed of what's com coming up and going on at the association. Watch for it starting in February. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. Um, I want to welcome my chief innovation officer, uh, Dan Harris, on today. He's going to talk a little bit about Remind, and the president's going to do a little bit of Q&A with him um, just to go over where we're at with Remind, how is it looking, how's training going, um, all that good stuff that revolves around uh, Remind. So please welcome Dan Harris. And uh, Mr. President, should I take over? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Dan. We appreciate you taking the time to come on. And uh, really what I'd like to do is uh, we talked to Aldo on the last session a little bit about how he's using it, but I really want to know about what you're hearing from the, the members and how the implementation, implementation and the training has been going. Sure. So we've done about 66 in-person trainings so far, and uh, we're getting kind of a, a low response. So we, and to give you an example, in our last uh, training last week, we had uh, over 100 people register and only eight actually showed up. Um, so we are having a problem getting people to kind of come on board and Did embrace you say the technology. Eight? Yes, eight, eight people out of 100. Eight people out of 100, yeah. So I think what's happening is since the contract has gotten extended, uh, a lot of people are going to give themselves more time now to, to schedule that training. Um, but what I think people need to take into consideration is if they just do the training now, then they're not going to run into any problems later on trying to squeeze it in. Because if we have all the membership trying to take the training at the same time, obviously that's going to be problematic. So we get, we're getting complaints on it, but it sounds to me like most people are complaining because they just don't want to change. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's accurate. And, you know, I think that's uh, the way that most of us feel about things. You know, I've a, I have an iPhone and if Apple moves a button, I get very upset about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the realtors are no different. So I think if we embrace this change, however, it's going to improve things for everybody because what Remind seems to be doing is they're creating a situation where there are guardrails for realtors, right? So they make it difficult for realtors to get something wrong, and they make it difficult for you not to follow the rules. And so by embracing this technology, realtors are going to be a lot less likely to make mistakes on their contracts. The problem is it's not similar to Transaction Desk, and that's one of the biggest complaints that we have so far is people are saying, well, Transaction Desk was adequate. This seems a lot more difficult. And I think learning anything new can be difficult. But once you do take the time to learn it, you're going to understand how much better it is all around for everybody involved. And then okay. can we just touch back on training really quick? So approximately how many training classes have we offered so far, Dan? You know, I had those numbers on my screen, and then uh, and something then happened, and I lost them. But hold so on, then let's 60-something. 66, do it this I think How many um, training classes does Teresa offer a week that they're Teresa, available to um, log into? Our yeah, she Zoom. offers several a week. She offers in-person and Zoom trainings. I know there are somewhere around at least four a week that she offers. In addition to that, she'll do on-site brokerage trainings, where as a broker, you can request her to come to your brokerage, and uh, she can focus her time on just your people. Um, so we have had some brokers taking advantage of that. I think there's about 10 so far. But that's something I think that can be very beneficial to any brokerage to go ahead and schedule that time with Teresa to come down and do so let's her. Uh, tell everyone training. who Teresa is. So, Teresa is our uh, 
technology specialist who's right now in the process of trying to teach our members how to utilize Remind. And just a little bit of background on Teresa. Teresa's worked for Apple for 10 years, and she actually learned how to do this type of training on the Apple campus in Cupertino, California. And she's very, very knowledgeable. She's very easy to talk to. Her customer support skills are excellent, as well as her knowledge of the technology. The one thing that Teresa is not an expert at, though, is transactions. So we're kind of relying on the realtors to understand the transaction. And sometimes what we have is realtors who are asking Teresa how to do a transaction, and that's just not what she's here to do. What she's here to do is to show the members how to utilize the software. Um, So that being said, you kind of already need to know how to do a transaction. We have new members who are coming aboard and maybe their brokerage hasn't been great at showing them how to complete these transactions just yet. And so sometimes we'll run into situations where uh, the realtor doesn't really have the knowledge of transactions in order to utilize the software properly. So you really need to have both things. You need to have the knowledge of the software and the knowledge of how to do transactions. Sounds like we're super lucky to have her. Yeah, I would say we're extremely lucky to have her. I mean, she's fantastic. So Brandon, as a broker... What would you say um, when it comes to like what Dan just said about having to have both sets of knowledge, right? Having to know how to do in a transaction to be able to do a transaction and remind. What would be your, your advice as a broker to reach for an agent to reach out to their broker regarding a transaction if they haven't done a transaction yet or they have one pending? Well, I think it's it's important that you understand that transactional information or questions about a transaction should be geared towards your broker, not the LVR staff or uh, anyone outside of that. Now, um, I think it's unfair that you expect some of these, Teresa, for instance, to understand the forms and everything else behind the forms. Um, She understands that we have forms and that that it fills it out in the signatures, but asking the questions and stuff on the forms is not um, in her purview. And then, Dan, uh, don't we have somewhere on the website that they can go that they can, if they can't make a training or they need a little extra time or they went to a training, want extra time, do we have a toolbox somewhere on the website that they can go get all of the videos, information, everything that they can with Teresa? Yeah, you can just go to members.lasvegasrealtor.com slash remind, and all of that information is going to be available on that page. Rem- um, Teresa's done a uh, tutorial series, so a lot of the things that she's going over in the classes is also available on that page in the form of YouTube videos, so you can watch those at your leisure. There's also additional information about Remind. And uh, another common question we get is, is about support, right? Because people are kind of used to the round-the-clock transaction desk support that occurs 24 hours. And Remind, uh, unfortunately, we are limited to chat support. Right. So you can still talk to their support team. It's not 24 hours, uh, but it is available by logging into Remind and clicking the chat button in the lower right-hand corner of the screen. And they can also contact Teresa here at the association. Of course, they can also contact Teresa. I would say please give her a little bit of time to get back to you because uh, she is doing trainings pretty frequently. And if she's in a training, obviously, she can't take your call. She's very good at getting back to people uh, after those training sessions. But you should really give her like 24 hours to get back to you. If you don't hear from her in a day, it's not that she uh, is ignoring your call or anything like that. She's just very busy with the uh, trainings and answering emails and calls from other members. Well, here's the thing. I mean, yeah, we get used to the 24-hour support, but in reality, don't wait till the middle of the night to try to learn Remind. I mean, we've got a, a runway here to get into it um, before Transaction Desk goes away. So if you run into an, an issue in the middle of the night, you can still rely on Transaction Desk. But ideally, if you're taking this training and you're making the effort to, to learn this, it will 
help you in your business. It'll save time. And like you said, there's guardrails. It reminds you if something's not filled out. Um, and so I think it's it's a good software and a, a good move for us to move to this this uh, way of transacting business. Yeah, I agree 100%. And yeah, I was kind of surprised that people were so upset about not having a 24-hour support because as you just pointed out, I, I think very few transactions probably happen at midnight on a Saturday. Um, but You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong about that. Uh, but yeah, I think that this software, I really like their user interface and I think that this software, once someone takes the time to learn how to utilize it, I think it's much more powerful than what we've been utilizing before. I think you're able to do things much easier. It's just that initial learning curve of just accepting that you're going to have to learn something new and taking the time to learn it. And another thing I would say is don't be afraid to take the classes, the training classes more than once. You can take the training class once. And if you feel like you didn't get all the knowledge that you needed, come back and take it again. Sometimes repetition is the key to learning. I mean, I have to sometimes learn things over and over and over again before it really sticks. So I would say if you did take the class and you still feel like you don't know it as well as you need to come back in, take the class again. And, and Teresa always uh, takes questions at the end of the class. So you can get direct responses to anything that maybe you're concerned about uh, after the class. And it's interesting that Dan brings that up about the learning curve because in my 23 years that I've been here, I've been through all the processes, right? So I was on the committee that decided to take the paper copies into a software and that was a hurdle. And then I was with them when they decided to go from ZipLogic to Transaction Desk. And then now here we go, going from Transaction Desk to Remind. And I think it's just an ever-revolving technology, and Dan is correct, right? I just had to do an update on my iPhone the other day and got irritated. One, it took an hour to do the update. And two, I don't know where some of the buttons are now. So I just think it's that learning curve that, you know, it's just a patience that, you know, all the members go through. And like I said, I've been through it it's my, what, almost four time going through it. And, you know, once they get used to it, once they get used to it, it's easier. It's just that learning curve getting over it so what i'm hearing is this may not be the last change <laughs> i i did for a long time for now. a long time it may or may not be but it all depends on technology too as a broker you understand that your brokerage is revolving around technology and we try to do the same thing here at the association and and it it's in efforts to stay relevant and you know transactions are changing and the way business is being done and so if we can automate and help you guys in any way that's what we want to do and i think this is actually a, a good move and I'm excited to, to actually get through the, the bumps of rolling it out. But I think we're going to move through this. And as, as you're coming into your presidency, even though you're about seven weeks into it, give or take, one of your initiatives this year is technology, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, you know, and it's, it's going off of uh, Aldo as well as becoming a little bit more te technology independent um, and not relying on a lot of stuff. But uh, the big one for this year for me is communication. I hope this podcast helps. I really appreciate your time, Dan. Sure. Um, and this won't be the last time we ask you for <laughs> for your appearance, but uh, we do appreciate it and keep up the good work. You're doing a fabulous job on the website and all the technology on the backside. Um, make sure you like and subscribe to us on YouTube and all the podcast channels. Um, we've made a commitment to do this at least once a month or if we've got to get any information out to the general, general membership. So thanks for listening. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, guys. Look forward to the next time. Thanks, everybody.